Today we're going to read again 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 27. That's a lengthy text, and so if you'd like to stand for the reading of God's Word, you are welcome to do so, but if you feel like you may not have the energy to, that's okay as well. Uh, we just want to have reverence for, for God while we understand that this is His Word, and as we know, I've borrowed uh, the title from this excellent little book, I Am a Church Member, by Tom Rainer, um, and this is available for you. If you have any interest in reading it, we'd love to get it for you uh, as a church family. It's a very, very encouraging book. So uh, if you would, if you are able and want to stand for the reading of God's Word out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we are going to read the first 27 verses uh, this morning as we look at I Am a Church Member, part 3. Here's what Paul says to the church at Corinth, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, and to, one, uh, to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things distributing to each one individually, just as He, being the Spirit, wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less of the part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I uh, am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less the part of the body." If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body, which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And here it is, verse 27, now you are Christ's body, and individually members of it. First Baptist Church of Grey Gables, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and thank him for his word. Father, we thank you for your word as we've heard it sung, as we've heard it read, and we're about to hear it preached. Lord, we just, we want to come now first and foremost and ask for forgiveness for our casual approach to worship. 
Father, you have spoken to us. Father, the God of the universe, you who created this world, who sustains this world, and who will one day recreate this world perfectly again, you have decided in your grace and mercy to speak to your wicked, sinful children. What reverence we ought to have for your word. So, Father, forgive us as we approach this as it means as if it means nothing or if it's not for our benefit. Forgive us for the times where we've walked in this building as some uh, accomplishment on a checklist and not thinking that we are engaging with the king of the universe in worship. Father, we ask you, as we lay our hearts before you, that you would use your word now to seek us, to try us, to see if there be any wicked way in us that we would lay it before you and repent that you would mold in us the image of your son, that we might be a light, a beacon of help to the world around us so that people may see us and in us see you and be saved. Father, we ask that as we encounter your word this morning, that there'd be an engagement, a communion with you in worship. We pray this all by your spirit's work and in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So as I've said, this is really one long sermon. Uh, started two weeks ago in part one, went to part two last week, and here we are in part three. And it's all based on this amazing statement in verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, don't ever read this quickly, right? When you're, you are reading through scripture, uh, this is what Paul says. He says, now you, speaking of this local church body in Corinth, now you are Christ body and individually members of it. And so what we've done in the last three weeks, if we've broken this down really into three parts. Two weeks ago, we looked at something for review and revival. Uh, the concept of church membership in the early church was you were marked out by baptism. And so we saw that this was fragmented in the Reformation. So now you have people who are baptized and they're Lutherans or Baptists or Episcopalians or whatever. And now with different denominations, people may be baptized in one church and then part members of another. And so the common denominator, however, is that everyone who professes faith in Christ needs to be a member of some local visible congregation. And we saw that the local church is the visible demonstration of the work, life, and ministry of Jesus Christ. And so that was something for review and revival, and that immediately brought us last week to some reflection and reverence. It's what we dealt with. Of course, these are all on YouTube, on our website as well. These last two sermons, I encourage you to, to watch those if you have not already. The church in the Bible, as we saw, is the visible expression of the kingdom of God in the world. And so that's a huge topic, right? A little bit simplified. Last week we looked at this idea and then even thinking about Colossians 1, 13 through 14 where Paul says, for he, being Jesus, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We thought about the idea that we should really never stop reflecting on that. For many of you, you were raised in the church and saved from a young age. You were baptized. You weren't a part of the kingdom of darkness for very long, and that in itself is grace. 
In either case, whether you were raised in the church and came to Christ or you were born again outside of the church at a later time, don't ever lose that reflection and reverence that you were a part of his church. And you know, with, with our loss of the sense of what church membership is, I fear that church culturally, we have lost that all that comes with being a part of the church of Christ. Last week, we also began some things of the point we're currently on with some things for renewal and also recommitment. And we looked at, at two of those, and I'll be brief. We looked at one, I am a church member, and I renew my commitment to grow as a disciple of Jesus. I know we're plowing through a lot of notes on the screen right now, but if you don't have them, uh, you can come and get uh, them from me or just hear them again in the previous sermons. I'm a church member, and I renew my commitment to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Of course, that flows all out of 1 Corinthians 12, what we've been talking about, what we just read, where a church is a body, and we know body parts grow. Now, some of those body parts don't grow in ways that we'd like for them to, right? But we are talking about the best ways that we grow, that we develop, that we mature. And so Peter, when he's writing his last letter and the last words of his letter, he writes on the inspiration of God in verse 18 of chapter 3 of 2 Peter. He, uh, he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul also gives uh, warnings about being a child or being childlike or carnal in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, where he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men. I can't do it. Why? I have to speak to you as men of the flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. And even now you are not yet able Paul's saying it's okay to be childlike in your approach to faith, but not childish in your faith. And so we asked the question last week, are you growing as a Christian? Do you see, do you see yourself being molded more and more into the image of God? Are you growing as a Christian? You know what it is to grow. You've experienced that, right? You know that you have to, when you, when you have a little children, like my three-year-old who, who won't eat her vegetables, right? And we tell her, if you don't eat your vegetables, you're not going to grow. You know the importance of those things. You've got to eat, you've got to exercise, you've got to stretch. You the same thing in the Christian life. Don't be those who just take things in. There has to be development that comes. And so ask yourself, as a body member, as part of the body of Christ, are you growing as a Christian? The way to do that is remind yourself, believe it or not, that you are a child of God. What do children do? They grow. They dream. They exercise. They, children should not be couch potatoes. It's a fascinating world that they are in. They have skills that they need to be developed and they want to be an impact in the world. Do you think like that as a child of God? It's one of the reasons why, why children in the church are such a blessing to us. I hear time and time again we have our children's time up here in the front row at the end of the month. It's such a blessing because there's this awe of everything and we as adults are rebuked because we've lost our sense of awe. As they grow, they naturally want to be of service in the world. And so it's a rebuke to us when we see ourselves as lazy. And so you grow. And then secondly, we looked at this idea of I am a church member and I renew my commitment to function as a body part. 
I'm a church member and I renew my commitment to function as a body part. Of course, that's really the big lesson in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The eye sees, the feet move, the ear hears. And in almost a belabored way, the apostle Paul makes the point that every body part needs to function. And, and he, he, he applies this to being the Spirit's work in you. This is what the Holy Spirit does in you. He displays, he works in you and displays Christ in you and your functioning. And he does it through how you serve him in the local church. It's the work of the Spirit. I thought about an illustration of thinking through, how do you illustrate this work of the Spirit in us that shows the world something on the outside? And, and I remembered about five, I guess it was about six years ago, that I was in Hong Kong on a, a mission trip. We were getting ready to head back to the States after serving there in China and then uh, some in Southeast Asia. And we were staying in this really nice area in this beautiful hotel. And on our way there, I was captivated by this very quiet man who, who sat in a desk in a corner in the lobby. And if you, if you didn't look really carefully, you would miss this guy. And what he had with him were these transparent glass bowls. They were basically little balls with, with a little hole. Uh, and, and from the inside, at the bottom, he would stick a tiny, tiny paintbrush. And he would paint pictures in that glass bowl that you would see from the outside that represented the panoramas of China. It was amazing. It was beautiful. He's painting the ball and he's looking at it. He's doing these things so quickly. You could see one of the sunset or the water of the ocean was there. There was a, a glass ball that had the mountains and the great wall. But he was doing all of this from the inside of the bowl. And as you looked on this thing in the outside, you saw the beauty of China. Friends, that's what the Spirit of God does. He works on us in the inside so that on the outside you show Christ in the way of functioning and service. Amen. So that is, I am a church member and I renew my commitment to function as part of the church body. And now we come to the last two lessons we'll cover today. So that was our recap. Now we come to the last two lessons we come today. Remaining two points here. Third. I am a church member. I renew my commitment to be an instrument of edification and not destruction. I'm a church member. I renew my commitment to be an instrument of edification and not destruction. You see, the physical body, our physical bodies, is, is so made that when one part, when the body is healthy, always works for the good of the whole body. It's quite amazing that we were built this way. Whether it be the ear, the eye, the head, the feet, the nervous system, the spinal column, when a body is healthy, everything works together for the good of the body. It protects us. It's actually quite remarkable. The physical body, all the parts of the physical body are working for the well-being of the whole. But let there be a sinus infection. Let there be a stroke. Let there be indigestion. Let there be a kidney stone. Let there be gallbladder problems. And notice how the whole body doesn't work the way it should. The body can basically shut down. Now you see why Paul says that there's no such thing as small body parts. You get a tiny little kidney stone in you. 
and you'll see how great a matter a little fire kindles. You see, the church body has within it these fluids, these electrolytes that work through every body part in order to build the part of the body up. And that's what you see in Ephesians 4. Let's go back to that just for a minute. You can't get away from this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Look at what Paul says here. He says, but speaking the truth in love. Those are the vitals. Those are the electrolytes, the fluids in the body. He says, speaking the truth in love, living the truth in love. He says, we are to grow up in all aspects and to him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. I mean, think about this. The older we get, don't we notice joints not working like they used to? You recognize what the joint does when you go up that third step, right? You feel the joints, and if they don't work well, the whole body doesn't work well. You're looking at me and saying, you're 30 years old. What do you know? Many of you do know this. I have the body of a 65-year-old man, okay? So I know exactly what it feels like. It's only going to get worse. All right. You know that. If the joints don't work well, your body doesn't work well. It's simple. You love this illustration that Paul gives, how it's just so on point with what he's saying here. Then he says, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for what? For the building up of itself in love. Isn't it amazing that you don't need a church program to build a church? You need functioning church members doing what they're supposed to do. That's how you build a church. It builds itself up in love. And then Ephesians 4, verse 25 and 29, verse 25 says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. This is what Paul's saying here. What he's saying is, is that the Spirit is working moment by moment. There again, the fluids, the electrolytes, working moment by moment so the system works as it should. So that call to build one another up as a body parts, it functions. That's why Paul will go on to say in chapter, first, uh, chapter 14, let all things be done for edification. Or he'll tell the Galatians the exact opposite. He says, but if you bite and devour one another, take care you're not consumed by one another. It's the language of building up people. Or in James 3, in a different context, watch out for your tongue. Don't ever say sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me, right? That's a lie. Your tongue, according to James, according to the Spirit of God, is a fire. And church life, one wrongly uttered, hateful word is like a flamethrower and it'll singe. If any of you have ever been burned seriously at any time, you realize you never really lose it. Or since we're in Ephesians 4, there's verses 1 through 3. 
where Paul says, Therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Edification, edification, edification. Just one other text, Nate, you're doing great back there, and then we'll start weaving these together. Colossians 3, 12 and 13. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. It's very interesting. The Greek language doesn't have the word must in it. But there were a word for must. It's just as the Lord forgave, so also should, so also must you. You remember what Jesus says, right, in the Lord's Prayer? Just forgive us our debts just as we forgive our debtors. Because what happens if we don't forgive our brothers? You've got no basis to believe that God forgives you. You know that, right? If you don't forgive your brother, you've got no right or basis to believe that God forgives you. It's that is what in view here. If you're forgiven by God, you'll forgive others. You don't have to be told to do it. You say, Lord, with all you've done to forgive me, how can I not forgive my brother and sister? You are renewing your commitment to edification and not destruction. Now, listen, does this mean that as a church body, we agree on everything? No. That's what a cult's about, right? Like robots, everybody follows the charismatic leader. It doesn't mean you agree on everything. In fact, think about this. Why would Paul have to say, bear with one another in love if we all agreed on everything? Why would he say, work hard to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace if we were all alike? It's understood that even as you have different body parts and different preferences, right brain, left brain, we got any right brains and left brains in here, right? So the body is not in complete agreement on everything, but you work together as one body. That's what's embedded in all this language Paul is giving us here. Of course, the simple thing Paul is getting at is family life. Work hard to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace is the language of family. You ever wondered why we sing every week family of God, why we call each other brothers and sisters in Christ? Because think about this. In everything we've said, isn't that how you function in the family? We know that when you have children, one thing is sure about children, and that is each one is different. (laughs) Each one expands the character of the family, and each one that comes also expands the need of patience in the family because they're all different. But what do you do in your families? You work hard to keep the unity that's there. It's a unity that's, that's already united in terms and virtue of biology, isn't it? Regardless, that's my brother. 
that's my sister, this is my mother, this is my father. Well, Paul says the same thing by the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. When the Spirit works, we all work hard to keep unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The same way you would say in the family, hey, you know what, I've got my differences with my brother, but you know what, that's my brother. Do you say that in the church? I have my differences with my brother over here, but that's my brother. My sister and I don't see eye to eye on everything, but you know what? That's my sister. I know at times mom and dad can drive me up a wall, but that is my mom and that is my dad. Isn't that the way you function? We are working hard to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And friends... It's hard work. It doesn't come easy. But it's what we do here. And so ask yourself this question. If we were to do a performance evaluation, which praise God, Christ doesn't give us, right? Are you a hardworking church member at preserving unity in the body of Christ? Or are you lazy and lacking? We work hard to keep unity here. Praise God, he's given us great unity here. I feel like we are united as a church for the most part, but let's not ever become lax in that. We gotta work hard to know one another, to love one another, to serve one another, to be there for one another, to disagree with each other in a right, helpful, united way where we can say we may have differences, but that is my brother and my sister regardless. That's what Paul is talking about here. I just want to add one more thing before we get to the last point here. See, here's what comes to mind. As you're thinking about this, you thought about performance evaluation, you're thinking, man, I, I do say things that I shouldn't. We also do things that we shouldn't, and we don't always do the things we do. We all do, led by your pastor, incidentally. And so I think there are two indispensable elements to be an instrument of edification and not destruction here. I'm going to give them to you in a second. There are two indispensable elements that will help us to be an instrument of edification and not destruction. The first one is repentance. I know you've heard this before, but we can never hear it too much. Repentance is honesty before God and man. It's what it is. I sinned when I said this, when I did this. When I didn't say this, when I did do this, it's very serious. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. You see, the Christian faith is not about being perfect. The Christian faith is about being forgiven. You know that, right? Two indispensable qualities. The first, may I ask, has it ever marked you? Have you ever just honestly, before God and man said, I sinned against you when I did this, will you forgive me? Have you ever done that? Do you need to do it? Equally important, you forgive people. It doesn't just mean you, you say, I forgive you, but you actually work towards rebuilding the relationship. Could you imagine if God forgave us the same way we forgive other people? Okay, I forgive you. But I'm never going to talk to you again. I'm, I'm turning my back on you. We will never be the same. 
Would you like that? Is that the way you forgive some people? Forgiveness is honest and sometimes, incidentally, forgiveness also means to ask for forgiveness. That I realize that in my dealings with you, I sinned against you. Will you forgive me? Church, if that is not part of the electrolytes and the fluids of church life, then there is destruction and not edification. And listen, it's easy to point the finger at the pastors, the elders, the deacons, or other church members. But if we're honest, we could say to ourselves, did, did I ask for forgiveness? And if we did, did they forgive us? And think about this. Why does that build up? Why does that build the church? Why does that edify the church? Friends, because it shows that God our Father is incredibly gracious. He's abundantly gracious. You represent God the Father in edifying words and especially when you grant forgiveness and asking for it when necessary. Church, we are to be instruments of edification and not destruction. Let me ask you, brothers and sisters, is every single word you say unto edification? You say, wow, what an exacting standard that is. Where, where do you get that? Paul says, don't let there be any corrupt speech coming out of your mouth. Uh-oh, I blew it. Repentance and forgiveness. That is how we grow. And that brings us to the fourth place here. The fourth and final point. Remember the text, you are Christ's body and individually you are members of it. I am a church member and I renew my commitment to represent Christ in word and deed in all that I do. That's what this is all about. Don't you love the discoveries of modern science, by the way? I, I find this fascinating. Modern science can't explain origins, by the way. Sorry, folks, if modern science in itself is never going to tell you how something came from nothing. It just ain't going to happen, right? But modern science surely can give us a little window on what it means that we are fearfully and wonderfully made as bodies. Are you aware that, that, the, that the DNA of any one part of your body is the DNA that marks your whole body. The one strand of hair contains in it the DNA that marks your entire body. So we can do DNA tests that your DNA is distinct to you and what marks one body part marks the whole body. Well, let me tell you. So it is true in the church corporately. The church corporately represents Christ. You are Christ's body and individually members of it. Paul can even say that we are bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh. That's why when churches are harsh or when they are lax or when they coddle sin or when they show hatred for sinners, they don't represent Christ. And that's the challenge. You say at every point, how do you do this? Through Christ through living in a continual state of repentance and forgiveness. This message is about you, members, individually. Is the DNA of Christ by the Holy Spirit in every part of you? 
See, the Spirit takes the things of Christ and makes them known to us. He forms the DNA of your spiritual being so that everything that lives, pulsates, emanates, and shows in you represents Christ. Whether it be His truth, speaking truth in love, are you someone captivated by saying, I am to speak the truth as it is in Christ at every point? Are you burdened to live the truth with every moment of your, 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 your body and soul? That's what it is to represent Christ. Or the giving of oneself for the good of another. The Bible says that covers a multitude of sins. Let me tell you, you go to ask forgiveness of somebody. You are giving of yourself. You are opening your inmost being and being truly raw and honest. And you do it out of love. When you forgive, even when you don't feel like it, that's love because it's what Christ is and does. Don't ever say, I, I don't feel like forgiving. I mean, you can say that, but you probably shouldn't because have you heard of the cross? <laughs> where those who spit on, mocked, and scorned the Son of God were told, Father, forgive them for they know not what they were doing and they were forgiven and they won't forgive? You see, people, people must see this. The church will see this. We saw this at the end of what we left off. And John, by this will all people know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, why? Because Jesus is incarnate love. You and I show that. Now, is that hard? Does that seem like an impossible task? Absolutely. I don't know how you put together hatred of sin, opposing sin, standing for holiness, and loving those who are holy. I don't always know how to do that perfectly. There's no formula for that. But friends, if you're connected to grace, if you're united to Christ in grace, grace will teach you. Grace will show you. That is what you see in the church. And, and church family, that's what the world needs to see in the church. You recognize this. The greatest testimonies we can ever have to a lost and dying world is unity and love and the representation of Christ as we treat each other. It's over and over again in the scriptures. As we forgive the church, the world will see the church's forgiveness and it will confuse them. There's no way there should be forgiveness in there. Yet there is. As the world sees self-sacrificial love in the church and the world knows that innately in them there's a desire for that, there's, they'll say there's no way they should love each other like that. As the world sees the unity and us fighting for the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, they'll say how are these people treat each other so peacefully? There's no way they should be doing that. It's a testimony of God's grace and his character. We are the representation of that. See, we work to show that corporately, but let's just ask on a personal level, do you show that? If people never saw anybody else in the world but you, would they see Jesus? I am a church member 
and I renew my commitment to grow as a disciple of Jesus. I'm a church member. I renew my commitment to function as a body part. I'm a church member. I renew my commitment to be an instrument of edification and not destruction. I am a church member, and I renew my commitment to represent Christ in word and deed in all that I do. Church family, I am a church member. You take the sandals off your feet because you're standing on holy ground. Well, I've mentioned this book by Tom Rainer enough, so let me quote him as we let this series come to an end here. Very excellent conclusion he writes at the end of his book. Here's what it says. I'm a church member. I like the metaphor of membership. It's not membership as in a civic organization or a country club. It's the kind of membership that's given us in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Because I am a member of the body of Christ, I must be a functioning church member, whether I am an eye, an ear, or a hand. And as a functioning member, I will give, I will serve, I will minister, I will evangelize, I will study, I will seek to be a blessing to others. I will remember that if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. I'm a church member. I will seek to be a source of unity in the church. I know there are no perfect pastors, staff, or other church members, but neither am I. I will not be a source of gossip or dissension. One of the greatest contributions I can make is to do all I can in God's power to help keep the church in unity for the sake of the gospel. I'm a church member. I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires. That is self-serving. I am in this church to serve others and to serve Christ. My Savior went to a cross for me. I can deal with any inconvenience and matters that are just not my preference or style. I'm a church member. I will pray for my pastor every day. His work is never ending. His days are filled with constant demands for his time, with the need to prepare sermons, with those who are rejoicing in birth, with those who are traveling through the valley of the shadow of death, with critics, with the hurts and hopes of others, and with the need to be a husband and a father. My pastor cannot serve our church in his own power. I will pray for God's strength for him and his family every day. You can plural that with Justin and I there. I'm a church member. I will lead my family to be good members of this church as well. We will pray together for our church. We will worship together in our church. We will serve together in our church. And we will ask Christ to help us fall deeper in love with the church because he gave his life for her. I'm a church member. This membership is a gift. When I received the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, I became part of the body of Christ. I soon thereafter identified with a local body and was baptized, and now I am humbled and honored to serve and to love others in our church. I pray that I will never take my membership for granted, but see it as a gift and opportunity to serve others and to be part of something so much greater than any one person or number. I am a church member, and thank God that I am. Let's go together, Lord, in prayer. Lord, as we have considered this series, we considered the gravity of those words, I am a church member. Lord, I thank you for how you've spoken in my heart. Lord, as a leader and one of our leaders and shepherds of this flock, how you've convicted my heart, Father, thinking of how we function within the body. Lord, there are several opportunities for us to apply what you've had for us to hear this morning. 
Lord, I pray earnestly. We know that this is a series primarily for the church, but I pray earnestly if there's anyone here who could say, I, I don't belong to the church, much less a local church, that you would convict them by your Holy Spirit, they would hear the gospel and be saved. And Father, we know primarily this is for the church. So Lord, for those members who are here this morning who just, who just know that it's a struggle and have seen the difficulty in their own lives and Lord, I pray that they take hard the recommitments and renewal and they will understand the, the grace that is given us and you allowing us to repent and forgive. Father, that we only can do these by your grace. Father, there's no one here who is the perfect church member. There's no one here who can keep these recommitments perfectly. And yet, Father, you have called us to dedicate ourselves to work for the good of the body and the functioning of the church. So, Lord, we have so much now to prepare us to apply this word from you. Grant us strength to strive for this godliness. We thank you for that amazing grace, Father, that has taken us from the kingdom of darkness and makes us part of the everlasting kingdom in Jesus. Father, encourage us, strengthen our hearts today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for a moment? We've got many things to talk about and apply to this sermon. So maybe the Lord's convicted your heart. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness for somebody. Maybe even in our text today, you recognize that you've not necessarily been an instrument of edification in the church. And whether it's a life of one of our fellow church members, I hope you take heart of what Jesus has said, that there's repentance and forgiveness needed. Otherwise, we as a church won't function. Otherwise, you will be in disobedience of the scriptures to fight to keep the spirit of bond and peace. So whatever the Lord is having you and convicting your hearts to do, I pray that you'd be responsive and do it. Or maybe you have just struggled this week, like myself, in understanding that you, as a church member, are a representation of Christ in the world. You are part of his DNA. Even as a strand of your hair can identify you, you can identify as Christ. You work to show him to the world. God views you that way. And you are to, you are to represent to the world Jesus Christ. Listen, friends, I, that's hard. That's a, that's a daily struggle. I'll tell you this about it. You can't do that alone. If you're aiming to represent Christ and his work apart from being united to a local church, you will grow disheartened daily, discouraged daily, and it will be a terrible struggle. So whatever the Lord's calling you to do, I, I ask that you do it. Maybe, maybe you've been here for a while and you've just never done the membership thing. I hope through this series you've seen the importance of that. Maybe you've been a member for a long time. The Lord's convicted your heart. Whatever he's having to do in your heart, I pray that you'd be responsive to him in our time of reflection now.